Hello and welcome to Fundamentals, the podcast that explores pop culture one conversation at a time. I am your host, Harley. In this episode, I'm joined by a returning guest to the podcast. He is a podcaster, an entrepreneur, and a fitness coach. It's Jordan Syatt. Jordan was kind enough to come back on after almost two years of being on the show to talk about a subject that is very close to his heart, and that is the art of jujitsu. As somebody who basically knows nothing about jujitsu, I found myself enraptured in this conversation with Jordan. It was so fascinating to learn about his introduction to the sport, what it is that has kept him going, what he's learned along the way outside of the dojo, and so much more. I really think you guys will get so much from this episode. So sit back, relax, enjoy, and keep an ear out as well at the end because there'll be an announcement regarding the podcast at the end of the episode. Right, that's enough from me. Let's just get to it. This is Jiu-Jitsu with Jordan Syatt. Hello, Jordan Syatt, and welcome back to the Fundamentals podcast. How's it going, man? Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure. It's uh, it's a pleasure to jump on and talk to you after so long. And man, when when was um, the last time that we spoke? Oh, dude, it was at the beginning of lockdown. So it was two years wow. ago. Wow! Uh, holy, <laughs> holy! I almost, I almost swore I didn't. Swear. Yeah. <laughs> you caught yourself. Wow! All right. Oh. <laughs> holy shit! <laughs> yeah. In fairness to you, yeah, it's it's been a while, and a lot's changed. A lot's changed. But is everything um, good with you? Yeah, really good to be honest. I mean, this is uh, people will probably listen to the, your first episode, and then this episode hopefully will notice a considerable difference in sound quality. <laughs> hopefully, so things like that have progressed. But yeah, we're doing good. We survived. We're all here, and we're here to talk to you with, I think, a really interesting topic. Because I think you're the first person actually to come on with something that's in the kind of martial arts realm, uh, and that is jujitsu. So I'd love to know, Jordan, what was your introduction to jujitsu? Oh man. So this is interesting because I'll, I'll start off by saying I do a lot of podcasts. This is my third podcast of the day, which is not uncommon. <laughs> and most podcasts, I talk about things like the same exact things every single time. This is the first time where someone's asked me a question where I like don't have a, an answer already ready just because like this isn't <laughs> something that we talk about. So um, I'll start off by saying I started wrestling when I was eight years old. And wrestling and jujitsu are similar, but not the same at all. So similar in that they're they're known as grappling sports. And grappling means like there's no punching, there's no kicking, no elbowing, no knees, no headbutts, none of that. It's it's a wrestling based so it's like all controlling the other person's body. So wrestling, judo, and jujitsu are all very similar in that there's no strikes, but it's it's controlling your opponent through like holding them and throwing them and and being able to submit them whether it's choking them out or extending their arm. But it's grappling with them on a mat where it's like your your wrestling style. Um, so I started wrestling when I was eight years old and I fell in love with it and I did that from eight to eighteen and. Through wrestling, you hear about other forms of grappling. So I heard about jujitsu. There was actually someone on my team uh, who who did jujitsu as well. And this is before social media existed. Now wrestlers all know about jujitsu, and jujitsu people know about wrestling just because it's all over social media, and, and you're going to get inundated with that stuff. But I started to hear about it as I was wrestling, and then when I was uh, in high school and wrestling, I started watching, you know, mixed martial arts and UFC and, and jujitsu was 
huge because the main thing with jujitsu is if you're good at jujitsu, it allows you to be the smaller person in the fight who usually is at a disadvantage and still win. So you could still beat a bigger opponent. And so when jujitsu started to make a, a its entrance onto the mixed martial arts scene, the fighting scene where it combines uh, wrestling and jujitsu and boxing and Muay Thai and all of the martial arts into one and Taekwondo and karate, we see all the jujitsu guys winning and beating like all these small jujitsu guys beating the hell out of these bigger guys. And the whole world was taken by storm. And so my buddy David and I, uh, who's still one of my best friends ever, when we were in high school, we would try and teach like practice jujitsu on each other just from watching these fights on in the UFC. And we would just be on his living room floor and just trying the same moves <laughs> that like we saw in the UFC. So that was like the first introduction. And then when I was 23 or 24, I took my first class and I went into a jujitsu studio and into Kenny Florian's jujitsu academy in, in Boston, Massachusetts. And I, I had 10 years of wrestling experience and I, at that point had become a world record power lifter. So I was very strong and I had great wrestling experience. So my ego was just the biggest it could have ever possibly been. And I'm walking into this jujitsu academy thinking I'm going to destroy everybody. And when <laughs> right. I tell yeah. you that I got my butt kicked and I, <laughs> I was wiped. Like I, I was, I looked like a fish out of water. I couldn't do anything. Mm -hmm. I couldn't do anything. Keep in mind, 10 years wrestling experience and mm -hmm. world record power. They're very, very strong. I couldn't do anything to these. Wow. And my ego was hurt so much that I quit. I was like, screw this. I'm not doing this anymore. And, and okay. so I took a number of, I took the next like five years off and I was working and doing a bunch of other things, really trying to build my business. And then when I was living in New York and I, I finally stopped coaching Gary Vaynerchuk and I had more time, I, I went back and I tried jujitsu at Henzo Gracie Academy in New York. And that was in, um, what is 2022? That was in September of 2019. And I've been obsessed ever since. And, and again, when I went in September of 2019, dude, I got, I got destroyed again by, by <laughs> women who were 20, 30 pounds lighter than me, who were like, just, just people who you look at and you'd think there's no way they're fighters. Cause in the fitness industry, you see all these jacked people, these big, like super strong people. And you assume that's who's most dangerous, bro. That is not, mm. if you're going against a trained fighter, they often don't look big and jacked because that's not, they're not training like a bodybuilder. They're training like a fighter and these trained fighters, they swept the floor with me and, and, but this mm. time I was in a better mindset to be able to handle it and be able to be like, listen, like it's okay to lose. It's okay to be beat. It's okay to not be the best. And so since September, 2019, man, I've been training five, six times a week, every single day, ever since, every single week, ever since. Wow. That's amazing. I mean, fair play to you going back as well after uh, <laughs> after taking a bit of a beating. I think, in fairness, I think most of us listening might just go, yeah, fair enough. I would have <laughs> walked away too. But I'm curious, what was it that drew you back then after such a long time and kept you going, kind of going in that second time knowing, okay, I'm probably going to get absolutely ripped to shreds again, but I'm okay with it this time. Yeah. So, I mean, even when I left after the first experience, I still wanted to learn. I still wanted to learn. Yeah. I still wanted to be good at it. I mean, watching these jujitsu fighters in, in the UFC and in other organizations, choking people out with their legs, 
like what you choke someone out with your leg and they did it easily. And, and, and t- these guys who were my size, I'm a small guy. I'm five foot four, 150 pounds, small guys beating guys, 50, 75, hundred pounds heavier than them. Like things that just don't make sense from a physiological perspective. They don't make sense. You see these small guys winning these all out brawls with these monsters. And I think as a smaller guy, I was like, I need to learn how to do that to protect myself, protect my family. I want to learn this martial art. And so that's what kept, I, I knew one day I would go back to it. What it really took to get me to that point was getting my business to a point in which I was like, okay, I don't, I'm not going to be working all the time anymore. I need more time for myself. And because before I, I wasn't giving myself much personal time, much me time. So the first step, towards giving a little bit more work-life balance was, all right, every morning I'm going to go to jujitsu. And so there was no guilt associated with it for the first time. There wasn't me being there being like, I should be working. I should be making content. It was like, this is me time. This is time for me to get better at something outside of my business. And so that, that combination was what really drew me back into it. Wow. Okay. And I guess you strike me as somebody that is always looking to improve so I guess the challenge of it as well seemed a bit enticing. I thought, yeah, do you know what? I'm going in knowing that I know absolutely nothing, that I'm going to be bad at this, but I'm going to get better. Yeah, it's one of the best feelings in the world going in. And especially many people look at me as an expert, right? People come to me because I'm an expert in my field. So so many of my right. interactions on a day-to-day basis are me the one in charge telling someone else what to do. It feels amazing to go in and literally be a white belt, but also have like that white belt mentality just in life, but to go in and I know nothing, I don't have the answers. And it's like, it doesn't matter how many followers I have. It doesn't matter anything about me. People look at me, they see they have a, I have a white belt. They're not going to ask me questions. Like he doesn't know what he's doing here. That's what he's here to learn. <laughs> so then I can, people aren't coming to me asking questions. People are like, I'm not going to ask that guy anything. I don't care who he is, what he knows. He's not good at jujitsu. He's got a white belt. So I, I could always just like, you know what? I'm here for me to learn and to get better. It's such an amazing feeling to to be at that level and to be at the very beginner of something and just like everything is new and everything is exciting and you're always learning. That's really cool. That's a, that's a really nice way of looking at it. This is a, not only a humbling experience, but yeah, something just positive. I think yeah. you can learn from it. It's awesome. It's something I have heard whenever I've, I've spoken to people I know who've had experience with martial arts is part of the draw is I think the attraction to discipline mm. and learning a discipline because I think especially nowadays right we live in a world where that is just almost beaten out of us on a daily basis like everything is made super easy and accessible yes um so something like I mean last time we spoke we talked about the benefits of weight training and that was an element people are drawn to but martial arts seems like another one of those kind of things where yeah you're going to learn a discipline and it's going to be really hard but it'll be really rewarding at the end of it yeah it's it's exactly right and it's um it's also one of those things where it's very emotional from the perspective of weight i love weight training i'll, I'll, I'll always love strength training for the lessons i've learned from it but it's one thing to go in and go against a barbell or a dumbbell mm. it's another thing to go against another human And it's another thing entirely to have another human completely and utterly dominate you in every aspect. I'll never forget one of my first few times back when I went to Henzo Gracie's in New York, dude, I almost cried. Uh, So, so there, the belt system is white belt, blue belt, purple, 
brown, black. So 95% of white belts never get their blue belt because they quit before they they ever get to that point. It usually takes about two years to go from white belt to blue belt, from starting jujitsu to get your blue belt. So two years is usually what it takes. Um, I did it in, in just over a year, and I think my wrestling background helped a lot with that because I had already learned so much of the grappling and, and rolling. Um, one, within the first week, I went against a purple belt. So this, and, and and keep in mind, they didn't just throw me in the the lion's den and just say like fight. It was it was a rolling experience. They were drilling, but like yeah, you're partnered with this purple belt, and you know he knew, and and I was a white belt, so he was going pretty easy on me. All the drill was is he was lying on top of me in what's called side control, and all I had to do was try and get out. And again, ten year wrestling background, I feel like I'm pretty good at this. I couldn't move. This guy is lying on top of me. When I tell you that I couldn't move an inch, I literally mean I couldn't move an inch. The only things that could move were my leg, like my feet, and they were flailing just like like nothing, doing absolutely nothing. And the guy actually says to me, he's like, hey, man, you've got to try and move. And I said, I had that like lump in my throat that you get when you're trying not to cry. And, and I said, bro, I can't move. Like I'm trying. And um, and I'll... I'll I didn't cry, but I wanted to. And, and that was one of the most demoralizing moments in my life, but also being like, I need to get better at this because if this person can do this to me, God forbid, I need to actually defend myself in real life. Like I need to be able to be at least proficient enough to not let someone just lie on top of me. So I can't move. I need to learn how to defend this. And so that was, I think so much of my motivation and drive came from realizing how vulnerable I really am against someone who's moderately trained, like just unbelievably vulnerable. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's quite an experience. I think I can, I can see why a lot of people would struggle with that, but I don't know. It always seems like being faced with your own limitations, you know, your own, I, w- I wouldn't go as far as mortality, but well, maybe, yeah. but you know what I mean? Like you're kind of faced with that, the, the realization of, no, I am actually in a really limited human being. And I think that, that did that element sort of creep into your mind of like everything that you've been through, all of, like you said earlier, all of your strength, all of your experience, just it's completely irrelevant. And you think, oh man, I feel completely weak and vulnerable. That's, I imagine that's quite a scary thing to be staring straight in the face. It doesn't matter that I deadlifted four times my body weight. It means like, I would go against girls who I, I, there's a girl at the gym I go to now. Her name is Vanessa. She's 16 years old. She weighs like 115 pounds. She destroys me. <laughs> and I've been doing this now for over three years. Like I, I'm pretty good. I'm wow. pretty good. This girl, dist- she's never lifted a weight in her life. She's a small, skinny little girl. She's amazing. An unbelievably talented fighter, a wonderful young girl. Uh, I'm good friends with her parents. She, dude, if her and I, for whatever reason, got in a fight on the street, she would literally kill me. And you said like you're faced with the idea of your own mortality every day. And this is one of my Mm. my first coach, Mark Cerrone said this to me. He said, one of the greatest things about jujitsu is that when you start your day trying to prevent someone from choking you out, every single thing you face the rest of the day seems relatively insignificant because you're alive. Like you've faced your mortality, like, and, and even, let's say someone does choke you out and you tap, that's how you let them know, like you've lost, you've submitted. It's like, you're, what you're essentially saying is 
if you wanted to kill me, you could have killed me right there. And like, that's what's going on. And like a good training partner will let go immediately and they won't hurt you. And people go lighter in training, but dude, I was choked out like six times today early in my jujitsu session. And I tapped out and I was like, okay, I'm done. But like, that was my coach being like, yep, yeah, like if you wanted to, he could have killed me. And when you're faced with that, not only are you faced with your own mortality and do other obstacles throughout the day seem easier, but the respect that you pay everybody that you meet in life is so much higher for any number of reasons, not least of which you don't know who's a trained killer and who isn't. And it's so Mm. funny because when you go into one of these martial arts gyms, everyone's bowing to each other and they're so kind and they're so respectful and they're killers on the mats. Like these people are just absolute killers. And when you go out in the world, they're so kind and they're so nice. And I think they, they have a lot of respect for people, but also there's a healthy dose of fear because you have no idea who's a trained killer and who you just have no clue. And so so hmm. easy to pay ever to be so respectful to everyone and be so nice when there's a healthy dose of fear as well it's like you know what i'm just <laughs> going to be super nice because i never know what this person is capable of yeah that's a fair point i hadn't considered that but now that you mention it yeah that that makes a lot of sense you know <laughs> i i used to say that about actually i had a, a guy who's like he was a kickboxing champion he used to teach her boxing classes and I just I can see him in that same sort of mindset. Actually, he was a very gentle, very kind guy. But good lord, like when he would do demonstrations, and and he knew he was holding back. Yeah. You know, when you hold the pads, <laughs> but you think like, flip me, he could take my head yes. off. You know, and, <laughs> but it's to your point of like you'd never know. Sort of just looking at the guy if you just bumped into him in the shop or something, you wouldn't you wouldn't think anything of it. So yeah, it's it's an interesting point. I wonder if that knowledge as well, having that knowledge of like knowing your own true strength and like yeah i can to your point take another life if i really had to push come to shove just makes you a bit more calm and confident in yourself i've always felt that people that train like that usually carry themselves in a certain way where they're just very secure and very relaxed and i wonder if that's maybe part of what feeds into it as well as the fear (laughs) dude i think that's massively influenced how i've made content because right my confidence has grown so much that I just care so much less about what people think. I ca- I care yeah, okay. I care less about trying to appease people or trying to say the right things. And I and maybe it's not just purely because of jujitsu. Maybe it's part of getting older and, and and becoming maybe wiser or more experienced, whatever it is. But I think jujitsu has played a huge role in. I'm going to say what I believe. I'm going to say what I believe to be true and I'm okay with being wrong. I'll, I'll admit if I'm wrong, but I'm not going to hide what I believe to be true out of a fear. And I think a lot of that stems from the confidence I've gained from jujitsu where for any number of reasons, like I know it's so funny, man, like against someone who's the vast majority of people are untrained, not just like physically from a fitness perspective, but in, in martial arts, they're completely untrained. I don't care how big, or strong someone is, I know if they're untrained, like I'm good. Like I know it for a fact. Like there are people who come into the academy and they're like, this happens all the time. You could find YouTube videos of like someone from the street, like thinks that they can beat someone in boxing or in jujitsu or whatever. And they go into this academy and the gym owner is like, all right, sign the waiver. They sign the waiver and then they go and fight. And people come into the academy all the time and they like, they want to train, they want to see what it's about. 
It's like, dude, I'm going 20% against someone 50 pounds heavier than me. And it's just destroying them. Like the confidence that comes with knowing that you have that if, and when you need it, not using it on someone who it's not required, but just knowing that if you need to, the ability is there. It's such a huge confidence boost. It's one of the, one of my favorite sayings is I'd rather be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. It's like, you know, that. <laughs> yes, I've. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that before. Actually, it's a, it's a really good expression. The yeah. warrior in the garden is so calm and so relaxed because mm. he or she is just they they're fine. They're they, it doesn't matter what happens. They're they're in their element. and They can defend themselves if they need to. But the gardener in the war, without any any training, any experience, that's and you never know when a war is going to come. Like it, it doesn't have to be an all-out war. Just like someone on the street could be, you never know. And that's the scary thing is like you just you never know when it's going to be you. And and I think it's there are many pros and cons to social media, but one thing we're seeing is we see so many people just who are innocent people being attacked by any number of, and then any number of instances, like it could happen to any of us at any time. And I, I would just rather be prepared for it than not. Hmm. It's interesting. Yeah. And I suppose as a style of, of a martial art, it's, it's one that from what you've described is, is more about the defense anyway. Yes. It's not about just throwing punches and swinging crazy kicks at people. It's like if someone grabs you and you're going to go to the ground, you know exactly what to do. Well, that's that's exactly right. And that's one of the reasons. So they call jujitsu, they call it the gentle art. Okay. The reason they call it the gentle art is because you decide how much you impact the other person. You get to decide. You can't punch someone or kick someone lightly. You can't yeah. punch someone or kick someone and dictate how much damage is done to them or to you. You know, we see in movies, someone like throws a punch and they're, they're like, they shake their hand because they like, they hurt their hand. Most of the time, if you hit someone in the face, your hand is breaking along with their face. Mm. Like, yeah. Or unless you've been conditioning your hands to, with, to absorb that force, but most mm. average people are not conditioning the bones and tendons and joints and ligaments in their hands to withstand that force. Mm. If you all of a sudden hit someone in the face, your hand's probably going to break and their mm. face is going to take damage. So not only do you now have an issue, but let we could go into the legalities of this. You punch someone. I don't care what happens. Even if you're defending yourself, you're going to court. Like there's legalities on here. Like, and especially like at least in the u.s you're probably going to have an issue like at the very least you're paying a lot of legal fees at the very least and like no one wants that not to mention dealing with medical bills and all of that with to deal with your broken hand so with jujitsu for before we even get into this most if you look at most street fights just based on percentage and statistically like the vast majority of them end up on the ground like over 90 percent you might start standing but almost inevitably there's a scruffle a scuffle and you end up on the ground so almost always there's it will end up on the ground and i don't care how good of a boxer you are how good of a kickboxer you are if you don't train on the ground you're not going to know what to do like you could have the best punches in the world but if you're on your back good luck so mm. so then jujitsu because there's no striking there's no punching or kicking or elbowing the whole purpose of jujitsu, what the the way that the the masters, the best of the best, to describe it is, it's about control leading to submission. 
So wrestling is a sport of control where you want to control the other person. Jiu-jitsu, it takes that control and takes it one step further to get to a point where you could submit that person. And submission is where it may be breaking their arm, choking them out, whatever it is. But you don't have to break their arm. You don't have to choke them out. You can literally just control them. Get to a point where, like I said, that purple belt laid on top of me and I couldn't move. Let's say, God forbid, you know, you're out and and uh, someone who's homeless tries to attack you. And oftentimes people who are homeless are, uh, they're having a lot of mental issues. They're, they're not necessarily sane. Like there could be like really struggling with something mentally. I don't want to hit that person in the face, break their nose and cause more damage. I just want to control that person until authorities can get there and make sure everybody is safe. I don't, my goal isn't to destroy someone. I just want to diffuse the situation so that I don't get hurt and the person doesn't hurt themselves or someone else. And with jujitsu, you get to decide how much damage is done. Whereas with Muay Thai and, and Muay Thai boxing, kickboxing, they're all amazing. And, I, and I've done them and I love to be trained in them. But for real self-defense that has the least amount of damage done to, to everybody, jujitsu is the best by far because it allows you to control the person and decide how far do I need to take this with a punch or a kick or a knee or an elbow. You can't decide like damage is being done. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. As I said, the instructor I knew could hold his punches, but they were still pretty powerful. <laughs> you, know, you still don't want to be on the end yeah. of that. Cause as you say, that would be a lot of damage, but there... no, I like that. I like that idea of, of, yeah, it's all about, true self-defense in the truest sense yeah. of you no know, you just want to stop the other person from doing any damage and you can also not cause them any really real harm if you want it's to. funny so there's a bunch of videos online because now every everything is on camera nowadays everything yeah. but so the academy that i went to in new york is called henzo gracie and it's owned by a man named henzo gracie of the gracie family who who really invented brazilian jiu-jitsu so henzo he has a chain of gyms. They're all over the world. Henzo Gracie Academy is all over the world. And uh, Henzo doesn't look like, Henzo is one of the greatest fighters of all time. Like one of the greatest fighters of all time. There's a video of him in a New York subway from like a month ago where a guy starts coming up to him. And so Henzo and actually one of his black belt students are in the New York subway. They're speaking Portuguese. A guy comes up to them and starts screaming, we're in America, speak English, da-da-da-da-da, just going off. And right. Henzo is the nicest guy. He's laughing. He's like, oh, brother, it's okay, da-da-da-da. And the guy tackles Henzo. Oh, wow. He has no <laughs> idea who he's messing with at this point. And this video gets Henzo, who's very calm. He deals with this every day he, in training. He turns the guy over. He gets on top. He controls him. And he says, brother, you don't want to take this fight. Just apologize and I'll get up. And the guy apologized. Henzo got up and no one was hurt. And that was the end. Wow. And there are these stories all that you could find videos of these. There's, there's an amazing video of uh, a fighter named Matt Sarah. Uh, he's based out of New Jersey where this guy was going crazy in a mall. Matt Sarah took him down, laid on top of him, waited until the security guards came, was able to restrain him until the security guards took the guy into custody. It's like, you don't have to elbow or smash or headbutt. Just we're just going to hold you to make sure you're safe, I'm safe, and everyone around us is safe until someone can come and, and get you, and we can figure this out. But in this, like, if Henzo had punched or elbowed or headbutted this guy, like you're you're going to jail for a little bit, and you're definitely going to have to pay legal fees and, and medical bills. 
with this situation, they both walked away. They figured it out. And I guarantee that guy's going to think twice before he tries to tackle somebody for not speaking English. So it's like everyone learns their lesson. It's, it's really a wonderful, uh, wonderful thing to know for you and for everybody else. Right. Quite the story. I have to look up some of these videos. Yeah, I'll, I can send them to you if you want. They're they're easily Google, but I can find them if you want. Yeah, please do. Yeah. Um, something just caught my ear there, where you said, "I've heard this as well." Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Yes. So am I right in thinking there's different styles then? So so there's a history of it, but it er, jiu-jitsu ri- originated in Japan, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and the Gracie family. So I believe it was Helio and Carlos. Uh, and I might be saying this incorrectly for anyone listening, but I believe Helio and Carlos uh, learned from uh, the Japanese about jujitsu. They brought it over to Brazil and they advanced it and they took it further. There were there are distinct differences between Japanese style jujitsu and Brazilian jujitsu, but the majority of jujitsu that we hear about today, that we hear about in mixed martial arts and and people using in real fights, is from Brazilian jujitsu. Uh, that's the majority of, of what's been popularized over the last seventy five years, uh, and and that's what most people learn when they go to a jujitsu academy is Brazilian jujitsu. Right. Okay. Interesting. So, do you know what some of the key differences are then? You know, it's funny. I was just watching a video on this yesterday by a guy named uh, <laughs> Henner Gracie. So he is a he's of the Gracie family and like. You hear the Gracie term. Once you hear Gracie, you know they come from that lineage and they're basically like jujitsu royalty. Um, I don't fully understand. Uh, oh, you know what? So what he was saying was this. So in uh, in most fights, being the person on bottom is seen as a huge disadvantage, right? Like generally, if you see two people fighting and there's one person on top, one person on bottom, you assume the person on top is winning. And I, I believe that was same still the case with Japanese style jiu-jitsu. What Brazilian jiu-jitsu introduced is having a, a at least an equal, if not an advantage from the bottom position, being able to submit people from bottom, being able to reverse people. Like when you're on bottom, you actually, you can catch people in triangle chokes. You can catch them in arm bars. You can, you can do so many attacks from the bottom position and keep yourself very safe without actually really tiring yourself out. So Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu took it, it advanced Jiu-Jitsu from the perspective in many ways, but not least of which popularizing being able to be on your back and fight from your back and actually have it be an advantage for you as opposed to a disadvantage. Wow. I mean, you weren't kidding when they say they advanced it. I mean, <laughs> to, to take what you, what you rightly identified as perhaps a, a universal universally seen weakness to actually know this is a strength yeah that's that's really impressive i have to say yeah it's i mean if you want to look it up i mean there's hundreds and thousands of videos but a simple one like if you just want to look up what maybe an attack from the bottom would look like google Mm. search arm bar from closed guard or triangle choke from guard you're going to see real fights in which people are in the bottom position they're able to break the arm or choke someone out or just control someone from the bottom position without actually, if they want to cause real damage, they can, but without needing to. So it it makes it so that the person on top is not inherently at an advantage. The person on bottom is now an equal in this fight. Wow. That's really, really cool. Which is also great for us smaller guys because oftentimes we'll end up (laughs) on bottom just by the nature of of how it works. We'll end up on bottom, but to know that you have so many attacks and so many options from there, as opposed to panicking and not being able to do anything is a huge advantage. Right. Yeah, I bet. And 
further adds to that confidence that we were speaking to earlier. I think, yeah, worst case scenario, you're on your back, you're fine. If you know that, then yeah, I can imagine going live on Instagram seems really <laughs> like small potatoes. You yeah, know? <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> Amazing. So where did you say you're at currently? You said blue belt, is that right? Yeah, so, so the way it works is it goes white, blue, purple, brown, black. Mm-hmm. Generally, um, how so you have those belts, but then within each belt, you get stripes on your belt. And a stripe denotes that you've improved or advanced and moved one step closer to your next belt. So you get four stripes per belt before you're promoted to the next one. So right now I'm a blue belt with four stripes. So my next promotion is I'll get my purple belt. Uh, Nice. Generally, it takes about one to two years to go from white to blue. Blue, you'll find people, it's usually between like two to five years. Like it's a pretty big range. Uh, from from purple, it's usually another like two to five years, another pretty big range. And then brown belt is between like one to three years before you get your black belt. So for most people, an average amount of time to get your black belt would be about 10 years before you, before you get your black belt, which is very different than often like karate or taekwondo, which... I know people are gonna be mad. They're frankly jokes in the real like fighting community. Like they don't that fighting style doesn't really <laughs> hold up very much. But like most taekwondo or karate, you'll see people getting their black belt within three to five years. It's just it's more of a business because the more you right. the more you promote someone, the more they're gonna want to keep going. Whereas jujitsu, they're very strict with their promotions. Like it takes years to get to the next belt. Mm-hmm. So it's uh it's not it's not the easiest one and people in jiu-jitsu always joke it's like it takes longer to get your black belt than it does to get a medical degree because it, it really does like you're you're studying and training jiu-jitsu every single day four five six seven days a week for 10 years before you get your black belt right so what's involved then in getting a, a promotion and climbing that ladder you say study it really depends on on your professor and in and, and the academy that you're at some academies right. have um some academies have like tests where the, like they'll give you a test in terms of like you know you're gonna make sure that you can demonstrate all the necessary techniques in a, in a certain fighting situation. Other academies and professors just do it based on when the professor thinks it's time. They've seen you training enough. They've seen you consistent enough. The the one thing that has been helpful for me to understand as a student of this is understanding there's there's levels to this. Like there's real levels. So for example. There's a saying in jujitsu that goes, there's black belts and then there's black belts. And and the easiest way for me to explain this is like LeBron James and Michael Jordan are both, they were NBA all-stars. They're NBA players. They're in the, they're, they're professional basketball players, but there are other professional basketball players who can't do anything to these guys. Like there, there's not, or we look at Messi or Ronaldo or whatever it is, like some of the best soccer players ever. Like there's professional soccer players and then there's professional soccer players, right? It's like, so mm. you see two black belts doesn't mean they're the same level, right? Like you mm. could have a black belt who's infinitely better than another black belt. And that's what I mean by there's levels to this. So even though I'm a blue belt, like there are some blue belts that I will absolutely destroy and other blue belts that will absolutely destroy me. And, uh, and not to mention the time frame plays a role. Cause like, like I said, blue belts could be between two to five years before you're promoted. So one day I'm a white belt, I get promoted when I blue belt. So I'm a blue belt now, but I'm going against a blue belt who's been a blue belt for five years. 
So they've actually been right. training for close to seven years and I've only been training for like three years, big, big, big difference. So it's, it's important to understand that. But one thing that's been helpful for me talking to my professors is a really good professor promotes you based on how you've improved relative to yourself, not necessarily relative to other people. So when I, when right. I think of a, a good professor in school or a good teacher in school there, if I hand in an essay, they're going to grade the essay based on how, how well I can write an essay. They're not necessarily grading it based on like the class they're getting. Well, how much effort did Jordan put into this essay based on Jordan's a, is this an a, or is this a B or is a C or is it like based on the effort and how much time and energy he put into this. And that's how they often promote within jujitsu. It's like, okay, so Jordan's 31 years old, a father, a husband, business owner, he's training five, six times a week. Like they're going to treat me very differently than a 24 year old who trains three times a day, seven days a week, who has no other obligations and wants to be the best jujitsu athlete in the world. I do this because I love it and because I enjoy it, not because I want to be a, a competitive jujitsu athlete and like make it my career. So they will, I will probably get promoted before that younger person gets promoted just because it's like that this is their career versus this is more of my hobby. So there, there's different levels to that and they'll judge me versus me rather than me versus the 24 year old lion who's just like sleeping on the mats and like this is their entire life. So it, there, there's differences there as well. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think all things are really relative down to like how much effort and time you put in. And I liked your analogy actually, yeah, about yeah, with sports players, but you could, you could look at it and all realms i mean mine is my go-to is music yes. um because <laughs> i could think of guys that are like you know this guy's a professional musician and then you go yeah but compare that to this other guy who's <laughs> a professional right. you know, who can like i don't know it's just like you've got dave Grohl, right great singer great guitar player stack him up next to uh eddie van halen who's sadly no longer with us but like world apart yes. in terms of ability <laughs> But but they're both professionals. Exactly. You know, they both, and I wonder to that point of me sticking with this analogy that of course I make on this podcast because everything comes back to music. Um, uh, you, you know, you put those two guys in a room together, there's no ego. They're not like, well, I'm a better singer. I'm a better guitarist. Blah, blah, blah. It's just like, oh, cool. You do your thing. I do my yes. thing. Isn't it cool? We get to do this. Am I right in thinking that there's very much that same mindset and atmosphere within the community when you go in? It's not like, yeah, I'm a black belt, but I'm a better black belt than you. It's just kind of like, oh, well done. Yeah. Good for you, man. It's, you know, and that's it. It's funny. One, There's another saying among jujitsu athletes and people who do jujitsu that the people who care the most about belts are people who don't do jujitsu. The belts right. are like when people look, people who don't do it, look and they see, oh, well, you're a white belt or you're a blue belt or a purple. And they ask what order they go in so they can get an idea of, of where you, they think you are. People in jujitsu don't care. They don't right. care at all. They just care that you do it and that you enjoy it and that you're a good training partner and that like you're kind and thoughtful. And, and that's really it. Like the fact that we both have the same mutual interest, that's the great part. I don't care what level you're at, as long as you're a good training partner and you enjoy doing it and we can have a great discussion about it or we can have a fun role together. Like they don't care what belt you are. It's it, it's absolutely mm. meaningless. It, it's much more just about like, are you a good person? Do I like hanging out with you? If not, then no. And if I do, then great. But it's completely irrelevant what belt you are. That's really cool. 
That's really cool. And it makes sense from what you said of if you're being kind of graded on the individual levels anyway. Yeah. It's it's it really is completely relative by the sounds of it. And it's funny, even in jujitsu, there's there's debate among jujitsu athletes, like and, and the best jujitsu competitors in the world are belts necessary should we even have belts like there's debate around this like should we have belts like should we not have belts why don't we just go based on like we don't need a colored belt just like everyone go in and because often they think like it it creates this disparity and and there there are but they there are i think potential issues with it for example when i'm a brown belt or when i'm a black belt eventually when i get to be a black belt there will be young blue belts who will be able to destroy me even though I'm a black belt, mm. there will be young blue belts who like a 25 year old kid who's been training since he was four years old, who, who like, who will be a blue belt because this is going to be his career and because they're, they're holding him back and they don't want him to have like a, a higher belt yet, who will absolutely be able to kill me over and over and over and over again, just regardless of me being a black belt. And so often the belts, yes, it has to do with skill, but it also has to do with just how much time you've been doing it, your dedication and what your ability is able, what you're able to do based on your current ability and schedule and time frame and your goals. So, so there's a whole big debate in the jujitsu community. Should we have belts? Should we not have belts? And that's a whole discussion. And I very much think it, it's important to have them. If for nothing else, it gives you something objective to strive for. Like, okay, I still mm-hmm. want to improve. I still want to, to reach that next level. But what black belt say is once they get their black belt is that's when the real journey begins. So right. funny, like once you get your black belt, like that's when it actually starts. And, uh, and I love that because it's, it, once you've essentially become a master and like, you've gotten your black belt, it's like, no, this, and I'm just starting to learn this whole thing now. And I, I like that mentality because it's, it's the always a, a forever, a white belt mentality. Mm. Yeah. I, I think that's a good thing to have. I mean, I've, I've heard many, many many people that are successful in, in all walks of life actually whether it's just sport you know music of course i mentioned but business and you know whatever it is that mentality of like always the student never the master is something that you see present in some of the most high achieving people that you'll ever look up to and clearly it works clearly it's there for a reason and it makes sense the more you talk about it for it to be present in this sport because as you say it's it sounds like yeah, very much these these belts are there for for your own personal, I guess, um, progress. Really, I was going to say ego. I don't. That's not right. Progress. It's there for your personal progress, and as you say, it's all relative anyway. Because someone else could come along at a lower level in air quotes, and as you say, absolutely demolish you. So doesn't really matter. But I love that. I love that, and I love that. That means that. To me, it says that it doesn't matter at what level you get to. Let's say, yeah, Jordan, you eventually reach that black belt. You're not going to suddenly be strutting around the place, you know, thinking too much of yourself. Hopefully it will still be very much just that calm, centered, humble attitude will still be present within. Yeah, it's it's so funny because I'll never forget there was a kid that I was training with, a guy that I was training with uh, a couple years ago who I, I, I beat him 10 out of 10 times. Um, and he was yeah. promoted to blue belt before me and uh there was no issue with it i was promoted to blue belt like a week after he was but there was that period where he was a blue belt and i was still a white belt and i still beat him every single time and it's not like once he got the blue belt all of a sudden he's better than me in the same way that like there are 
like there are blue belts now who I know I'll be promoted to purple belt before them. And these blue belts kick my ass every single time. <laughs> and so it's not like right. as soon as I get my purple belt, all of a sudden I'm going to be beating them because we both know on the mats who's better. We both know yeah. that. Like it's it's obvious. That's why they say the people who only care about belts are people who don't do it. Because yeah. when all is said and done, all, when you, once you get on the mats, you know who's better. And, and that's where like mm-hmm. the belt is, I think, for more of a personal uh, ability to track your own progress, to track your dedication and your patience and your consistency. Right. I think the belt is a way of saying like, I'm giving my absolute best as opposed to necessarily mm-hmm. how do I stack up against anybody else? Because everyone's belt is individual to them. It's not like a, a you have to you have to be able to beat everybody below you. That's just not how it works. It's the no. belt is a more personal marker of how much time, how much effort, how much consistency, and how much patience have I shown throughout this whole process. Right. And to your point, I think it's good to have goals. It's good to have something to strive towards, right? And if you've got something you can look for and look towards as a goal and you can reach it, then brilliant. And then, yeah, if you still got the attitude though, that's still there in the background that, okay, this doesn't actually mean I'm the best. It just means that I've achieved the best that I can at this moment in time. That's a pretty healthy balance. I, I think. love that. A hundred percent. I love it. Um, something you said earlier that I just, I wanted to pick up on professors. <laughs> That's quite an interesting term. So what where does that come from in uh, jiu-jitsu? Yeah, I to be honest, I'm not really sure. I think it's it's just a, a form of respect. So oh, okay. I never call them my coach and I actually don't know any academy that that I'm sure there are, but I don't know anyone that calls their jiu-jitsu professor. I don't I don't know anyone that calls them their coach. It's always like this is my professor. Um and I think it's right. just a term of respect. Um generally because you know, I'm a coach in the fitness industry, but like, I'm not, I'm not going to make people call me a professor, but I think in the <laughs> martial arts world, there's a certain amount of discipline and respect that is required and is seen as part of the culture of it. Um, and in order to become a professor, I mean, like I said, it takes, you, you spend longer getting your black belt than you would getting a medical degree. And I mean, there's a, a certain level of of respect that you show your professors and and people who are teaching you that I think is just inherent with, I mean, you walk in and the first thing you do is you bow, you bow. Like it's one of my, one of the things that really drew me to it was it was one of the first places I could go into in which I was like, listen, as, as a kid, you're taught like show respect to everybody, show respect to everybody. But often as you get to be an adult, you'll lose some of that. You'll lose some of that almost like fear that you'll get as a kid of adults, right? Or it's like, it's nice to go into an academy and bow and be respectful and show like your appreciation and and respect for what other people have done and what they're going to teach you. So, uh, so and and in almost every jujitsu academy, maybe in every single one, they have pictures of Helio and Carlos Gracie and like all these people who originated it. They have pictures of them on their walls. And almost as they're being like, listen, this is where it started and they've passed it down to us and we're going to pass it down to you. And so for all these black belts, they trace back their lineage back to, back to who, uh, who like gave them their black belt. So if I, if I get a black belt, then I'll be like, 
Alex Martins gave me my black belt and this person gave Alex his black belt and this person gave him their black belt. And then it leads back to this Gracie. And so it's cool because on most of their websites or whatever, they'll, they'll trace back their lineage. And so it's a, it's a very like familial, respectful community saying like, listen, I have this, but all this knowledge comes from this person and it stems down this lineage. So it's not like I made this up. It's not like I'm the best because of me. It's everything that I know is because of the people who came before me. So I think there's a huge amount of that in the community. That's incredible, man. I absolutely love that. That's, um, yeah, that's really lovely. And it, as you say, definitely feeds into the whole ethos of discipline and respect. If you can quite literally trace back your, like, yeah, your sort of ancestral knowledge yeah. in a sort of way that's really yeah, that's like really cool family I did not tree of how they got their black belt yeah yeah that's amazing that's absolutely amazing man uh, i just wonder in jordan i mean I've, I've found this so fascinating i know you've not got much time left but i just wanted to know was there anything else that you wanted to talk about with this or sort of jumps out to you as being really important man i mean i've loved speaking about it and i like you asked some really incredible questions so i'm, I'm glad that we did this i think thank you the one thing that i would say is i just Number two things. Number one is I hope, I hope this inspires people to try it. Um, right. I, I, I'll, I'll ask you: Are you going to try it? Are you going to do at least one intro class? I have no idea if there's anything near me, but I'll have a look. Definitely have a look. Um, <laughs> and I'll report back once I get um, yeah, absolutely destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> so that leads to number one is I hope everyone at least tries it. Number two is I'll say is the best advice I got when I first started was understanding that the first two years are going to suck. The first right. two years are really, really, really difficult because it's, it's very similar to learning a new language where imagine you go to a new country and you don't know the language at all and they don't know your language and you're just left like trying to figure it out and you don't know what you're doing. That's sort of like what going to jujitsu is, where like you're trying to learn a whole new language and you have no idea what's going on and you might learn something and then the next time you go in, you completely forget it. And you have no idea. It's like you, you forget that vocabulary word. Oh, what was that? Like, I forget. And you have to keep going and keep going and keep going. Uh, the guy who told me that his name is Damien Anderson. He's one of the top 10 Brazilian jiu-jitsu fighters in the world. Like really amazing guy. And he said for the first, he's like, as long as you don't quit, for the first two years, you're going to be obsessed and you're going to love it, but you just have to make it for the first two years, which is ironic because coming from a strength training background is the complete opposite with strength training. You get stronger almost immediately, like from session to session, you will notice massive improvements and you get addicted so quickly because you get so much better so quickly. You're like, this is amazing with jujitsu. You got two years before you really start to make sense of anything. And so as long as you just stick with it, it will work and it will make sense, but you just have to have that patience. So number one, I hope everyone tries it. And number two is just know the first two years are going to be really brutal, but if you make it through, you're going to, your life will forever be changed on the other end. Amazing. Thank you so much, Jordan. And I guess to take us home and where could the good people find you and all that you do? Google my name, Jordan Syatt, S-Y-A-T-T, Instagram, podcast, YouTube, all that stuff. It's all over. I gotta say, you're the first person to ever say Google my name. That's quite the flex. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's so much easier than oh, I go to my Instagram site, fitness. So just Google it, and whatever platform you like, just go for it. Yeah, and to be fair, you've earned it as well. <laughs> so thanks very much, Jordan. Thank you, brother. 
And there we have it. Thank you so much to Jordan for coming back onto the podcast after nearly two years. I can't believe how long it's been, but man, it was just such a blast talking with him. And I hope you guys listening really enjoyed that episode as well. Make sure you go and check out Jordan's content. As he said at the end, you can just Google his name, but I have put a few links in the show notes as well for good measure. So make sure you check him out, especially if you're into health and fitness. I think he's one of the best people out there for it. He's just so honest and kind and understanding and very straight talking as well, which is something you need when you're getting into that space. So make sure you go and check out his amazing work after this episode. Thank you so much for checking out this episode. If this is your first time listening to Fundamentals, well, welcome aboard. I really appreciate you coming on board. Um, There are over 75 episodes now for you to go and check out. So have a little look through the back catalog. The whole idea of this show is that we are exploring pop culture one conversation at a time. I've had some amazing conversations with some truly wonderful people, most of whom are content creators or podcasters. So you can go and check out more stuff after each episode. There's plenty for you to go and explore and learn about. So make sure that you do. You can also support this podcast by donating via the coffee page. You can buy something from the merch stores, or you can just leave a review or share an episode. Any and all support you can give goes a really long way. And if you have been supporting the podcast all this time, well, thank you so much for doing that. I really mean it. I've been doing this now for three and a half years and it amazes me that people listen. So if you're one of those people out there, you're listening, you're supporting, you're sharing it, doing any of those things, thank you. Thank you so much. It really means a lot. And on that note, I just wanted to let you all know that I'm going to be taking a break for a few months. The show's not going anywhere. I'm going to leave it up and running. I'm even going to leave all the social medias and everything running. So if you want to reach out to me, let me know what you think. Is any uh, feedback you want to give me? You can do that. That's totally fine. But I just need a bit of time off. So I'm going to take a few months for myself. I'm going to put the show into a hiatus. And my plan is to come back in the new year with some brand new guests and topics for you all to enjoy. But in the meantime, I hope that you guys have a great rest of the year. Wherever you are in the world, whenever you're listening to this, I really do hope that you enjoy the rest of 2022 and just, yeah, take good care of yourself. So until 2023, look after yourself, check out Jordan Sire and his amazing work, and I will see you all next year for more of Fundamentals. Take care. Take care.